there's a tweet five hours ago from LAFC's Twitter account. It says, uh, an emotional moment as Laurent Simon says goodbye to LAFC. Club is fucking 20 games old. <laughs> How can anybody have an emotional moment at all related to that club? I don't understand. Wait, you mean Laurent Simon who was traded to LAFC literally like six months ago? Simon says goodbye to LAFC. And then he's going. He's, is he is he retiring Why? or what, what's he doing? I'll be honest, with you, I I don't know. Because he didn't really. He was in Montreal because correct for for his reasons for his kid mm-hmm. who had some had some uh, medical issues and Montreal was like the best place for them. And yeah. then Montreal traded him to LAFC. So I really hope that it doesn't turn out that the reason he's saying bye to LAFC is because like his kid's dead or some shit. And I'm here, I'm here picking on him like, Oh, who fucking, how could you feel emotional about leaving LA? I mean, sure. They've done a lot of good things as a team. It's cool. Maybe 30 years from now, we'll all have so much history and water under the bridge. We'll be like, Oh, LAFC. <laughs> he's, he's played for him for like 15 games. It better because his kid's fucking dead. from McGillicuddy's in St. Paul. We are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. My son, we talked about this. My son um, is at the point now. So uh, there was a time we went camping uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation. And I let him uh, pee outside because there wasn't like a bathroom to go to. So he went to a tree to go pee, you know? Sure. Yeah. And uh, now he thinks that's just like an option. (laughs) So like we're just like at home outside. And he's like, I'll just piss on a bush. You know, like, no, you're (laughs) the, the bathroom is right in there. He's also, you know, since he's four, he still pulls his pants down. He's just bare-assing it. Bare-assing you know, it, yep. it, yeah. I mean, you know, I I see not old-ass dudes. Like, I, I, I see, like, dudes who are, like, you know, kids who are, like, four or five, bare-assing it. And then I see dudes who are, like, in, like, their 60s, bare-assing it. So... Dude, the the Is graph of, it a thing that the, the graph of your comfort with nudity. I mean, it's it's high when you're young, and then by the time you know you're six, it goes down and down and down through your twenties. And then once you start hitting middle age, it just you know if you go to a fucking gym locker room, it just goes up and up and up until it's nothing but just old guys who're just making no effort to put clothing on with any rush, just knocking stuff off of the fucking <laughs> shelves with their dicks. Like just try. Like I, I don't know, I, I, we're all grown ups here, but I, like, wouldn't you rather not be than be? It's, like, we're, we're, it's not a big I deal, know. but I, I go. How long are you gonna stand there with your wrinkly fucking raisin nuts? <laughs> I go not to doing anything. So I go it. to I go to the YMCA to to work out, and I go and the YMCA. So I, the YMCA I used to go to back in downtown Minneapolis had uh, separate saunas. So I would go I would go in a sauna butt ass naked because that's how you should sauna. 
Now, there's a difference between just sauna and, like, I'm getting changed, but for some reason it's taken me 30 minutes to get changed in the locker room. Well, yeah. That's a different but, but story. But here's the thing. Like, I still have to, I have to get out. I have to leave the uh, dressing room to go to the sauna. So even if I want to go to the sauna but it's naked, I can't because there's probably going to be kids. Right, and they don't need to like walk around. They don't see. Yeah. Me, they don't need to see my dick. Like kids, definitely need to see my need to see my dick. Um, Infrequently, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then you know you get this, and it's a co-ed sauna, which I'm like I'm cool with. Like whatever, it's fine. I'm just like you know sometimes I just miss the 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 dudes only sauna where I could just like let it all fucking hang out. Like I would, yeah, walk in there. That's how I know you're older than me. See, yeah. it's going to keep going up and up and up. Eventually, you're going to have nothing but oh, like a shock of white pubes. At tw- and your dick's going to get shorter. Dude, and your balls are going to hang lower. At 25, and- I was totally down with like just totally nude sauna. Get out and, of my and, fucking life. Yeah, okay. I'm sick of it. All right. I'm sick of male. The male body is so disgusting. I, it, I mean, that. I'm not. He, listen, I'm not saying it's not. It, it definitely is. It definitely, definitely is. So let's talk about... Uh, Oh, the fucking travesty that just happened. Well, we should say uh, we, we, the good part of the of this podcast is definitely going to be our special guest today, That's right? True. Yes. We have uh, Minnesota soccer legends uh, Chris Lidholm, twenty five years or so in the booth. Uh, we've got Alan Willie, more goals scored in professional Minnesota U.S. Soccer, soccer, soccer Hall anyway, of Famer, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, Middlesbrough player, and, uh, Middlesbrough. That, that's his. That's the highlight of his career. Um, and and it, uh, that said. We want to get through the normal content pretty quickly. We're going to rifle through Kansas City because who really wants to relive it too closely? We're going to go through our picks, and then we're going to get to the good stuff. I promise you, you won't have to wait long. So, um, The first question, then, is the best moment of the game. I don't have one. You don't have one at all. Nope. Now, you you were up here. You did not make the trip to Kansas City. I did not go to Kansas City. Uh, You were in my garage most of the day, if I remember. On Saturday, yes. And then then I went to uh, Wes's uh, new bar, uh, literally the Black Heart of St. Paul, was it's still the townhouse eventually back car st paul soon mm-hmm. um i watched it there with good a bunch crowd, of good vibe it was very good yeah good. Like about 25 that was so yeah that was maybe the best one of the game it was like there's about 25 dark clouds hanging out at this mm-hmm. uh lgbtq yeah. bar which is awesome and, and, and it's about three blocks from the new stadium three blocks from the new which stadium is the big yeah about 1100 yeah. feet it was it was amazing uh we we're sitting there we're just watching the game people are coming in for the drag show later you know drag queens are coming in and it was just great they were hanging out they were actually watching the game like hey what's going oh, on yeah. like, why are there 25 people here mm-hmm. at you know at eight o'clock in the evening uh it was amazing it was it was fi- fantastic and that leads me to think that there's gonna be a lot of good stuff coming from that bar in the future so uh and you know as wes mentioned apparently i'm gonna be running trivia there uh on uh, apparently you weekends are. so Excellent. yeah so yeah that was it, so that was my best one of the game can you do can you do queer trivia is that a i can, i yeah that'd be i don't think that's out there you should do it i should yeah queer trivia queer soccer trivia for soccer yeah. trivia. it's such a niche <laughs> market <you know? laughs> it's it's, it's a very like robbie rogers and colin martin are like the only ones <laughs> the only people who care yeah <laughs> anyways uh, what was your best moment of the game so i'm gonna try to not cop out on this one i'm gonna i'm gonna vaguely call the if it gives a first there half was a there moment. was because there, there was no good moment in this game by the way so adrian heath would disagree adrian heath said oh, we played well that so there's that um, i'm just gonna say the first half uh, because i was mostly pretty happy with the way that the defense played in the first half now we seeded a lot of possession but that was by design. In doing so, we were able to protect the, the box, and Sporting was mostly taking their shots outside of the box, kind of low-percentage shots, and we were trying to hit them on the counter. A couple of times, we almost pulled it off. That's just playing on the road against a better team 101. You you seed possession, you bunker, you leave them to low-percentage shots, and you hit them on the break, and we did a pretty fair job of that. We went into the locker room 0-0. 
I know it's a weak, strong moment. It's not exactly a bicycle kick, but I, I felt better about that bit of defense than I felt about a lot of, of what our defenses look like all year. That's so. fair. What was your worst moment of the game then? Uh, I mean, either of the goals. Um, I mean, we talked. I talked about last week about how like we had not played Sporting Kansas City in the three-five-two, like, and we had not really, you know, they've and they've all of their goals mostly have come through, like just cutting through our central defense. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, let's see what three five two can do. Mm-hmm. Both of the goals they scored, and Johan Kreuzet, you talked about him last week as being a shitty player. Yeah, no. scored his first goal. I was on the season. Diego Rubio. Yeah, either. and Diego Rubio yeah, scored his first. You know, scored another well, goal. Well, you know what? Kyrie Shelton scored what maybe his only goal for the team against, against Minnesota, us. He cutting was, through the central of our midfield and our defense. Tough, yeah. And so I, I mean, I, I didn't, I can't really pick one worst moment of the game because both of those moments were. And I texted you as soon as the second goal came in. Did, I was like, yep. I was like. They scored both of our goals. They just Up cut the gut, through yeah. the central of the, of the gut. Like, mm-hmm. they really just came through. Didn't even try to go t- to the outside. Mm-hmm. Didn't even try. Um, so that, I mean, either of those goals would be my worst moment of the game. So how about you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out a more mundane moment. Um, in Early in the second half, uh, Angelo Rodriguez picks out Mason Toy on the back post, and, and Toy couldn't get it done. And it was a little frustrating for me. It's something that we've seen uh, some of from Toy this year. Obviously, he's had limited minutes, but... He hasn't been able to finish. He hasn't been able uh, – I'm thinking, boy, what was it against uh, Orlando maybe? I'm, I'm trying to remember my games. There's so many now. but he And, and he got a start. And he had some great moments on the counter and stuff, and he just can't put the ball in the back of the net. And um, So so that's that's been frustrating. One of the reasons it's frustrating is because at that moment, that changes game states there. If we're only down one to nothing, if you, if you can connect on that goal – then it changes everything that happens after it. And, of course, every game you can boil down to a million what-if-this-little-thing-didn't-happen and endless multiverses and all that kind of shit. But, you know, that was a clear moment. We had an opportunity, and you wonder if we connected on the opportunities that we have even 25% more of the time this year, what uh, the rest of those games would look like and, and, and how many more points we would be sitting at. And that was a moment for me. Ultimately, they scored a second goal, and that was too much to come back from, so... Um, what was your most what the fuck moment? Uh, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I like yours mostly, so I'm just gonna say Miller pulling up lame in the thirty lame lame in the thirtieth minute. That really it was just like that was lame as fuck. It was lame as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> um, and just really like it was great. We saw Jerry out there, but it was definitely not something that Minnesota was prepared for, uh, especially being shorthanded for this game. So, yeah, well, great segue there because uh, for me. It, Calvo and Boxell got great or got yellow cards <laughs> within five minutes of each other, which in of itself is not a crisis. But they both happen to be on four yellows on the season, which means that they're both going to be suspended. Eric Miller now questionable here, coming up lame as shit. You know, um, we traded away. Uh, luckily, we, we traded away uh, Tyrone Mears. Luckily, we got like two week, two and a half weeks to figure shit out. Dude, you, and you know we'll figure it out. So, yep. so uh, you know that little tempest of trouble is going to spell a disaster against DC United that is a little bit rejuvenated now compared to earlier in the season, especially with um, uh, a goal scorer you might have heard of named Wayne Rooney. Uh, Yes, we have two weeks to figure it out, but are we going to have the tools to add in there that are going to help us figure it out, really? You know, um, we're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic at this point, so that had me raising my hands up in the air in a WTF uh, fashion. 100% fair. We've got some awards to dole out. Freddie Adu Award for the star of the game. Uh, Miguel Ibarra. Um, easily. I mean, I, you could give this to Brent Coleman. Brent Coleman had to play at a pretty good game. Um, but 
I, re- I was sitting at the at Wes's bar watching this game with Bruce McGuire, Bill McGuire, a couple other friends, um, <clears throat> and just noting how how much Miguel Ibarra was all over the field. He's on the right hand side. He's on the left hand side. Mm-hmm. He was he was making tackles uh, on the right hand side, playing defense, and then he was up uh, making the you know doing the the, the free kicks on the left hand side and and taking the 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 corners on the left hand side. <clears throat> Miguel Ibarra was all over the place. In this game, and in a good way, not in a bad way, um, mm-hmm. and you know that's a style. We worry that's when we, he's his best, and we worry about him, like you know, getting some lead legs because he's he literally has been just out all over the place and doing mm-hmm. everything for this team. So he I mean he was it, it's easily between Miguel Abar and Brent Coleman. I w- I would give it to Miguel Abar in this in this circumstance. So. Sure. Can you imagine how fucking sexually attractive we'd be if uh, we're as fit as uh, uh, who would we say Miguel Abar? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, we're, but look at us now. You've seen us, yeah. I mean, you know, we're married. He's not. Well, anybody who's gone to a sauna with you already knows <laughs> what they're working with there. Uh, my my best player of the game. I'm, I usually give this to United player. I usually make myself give it to you, a United player. Oh, yeah. yeah. No matter what happened. So I'm, you're 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 pulling a Luke Craig here and oh, giving it to somebody else. <laughs> I I've earned my chance to give it to somebody else. I'm gonna go with Tim Melia. Um, and and you talked about how. We suck, and there's no highlights and stuff like that. Tim Melia made eight saves. He did. That yeah. means that we put eight shots that he had to save. He, and he made some great saves. And we don't always do that. We do not whether ever do that. Whether it requires don't ever good or bad saves. Yeah, so, we don't ever do you that. You know what? There is, a, there is a way to make a case that what Heath said after the game, that this is one of those games you lose where you say, we, see, we saw a lot of improvement. We played the way that we meant to play. We played well, and it didn't come off. And uh, Tim Mealy is still on his head. And, and so, there, I, again, there were things that went wrong. But um, this was hardly the ugliest game that we played. We put eight shots on, and Tim Mealy kept a minute. So, good for him. He wins the Freddie Adu Award. But, more importantly, we have a, a, another award. The Freddie Adu Award for the shittiest player of the night. Go. I'm going to give it to Boxhall. Uh which, it, which is rare because he's been a fairly dependable yeah. defender. So yeah, I mean, stupid. He, play, he yellow, plays for a terrible yeah. defense, but yeah, he he had a stupid yellow card and his inability to close down Rubio on that second goal, um, unforgivable sins, cost this team the game. Um, not you know not that this team was going to probably ever win this game because Kansas City got one goal that I don't think we were ever scoring a goal, but you don't you don't have get, we scored a goal in Sporting in MLS uh, like at. I Kansas don't City. think we've scored in Kansas City. Somebody uh, hit the Twitters yeah. and replied to us if you know the yeah. answer to that. I don't that. think we have. So, yeah, we get... might have scored one in that U.S. Open match. But no, we didn't. No, no, that was a 4 nothing nope. loss. The, yep. the week before that was a 3 yeah. nothing. loss I don't think we've ever scored, in, never scored in, in Kansas, Kansas City. City as an MLS Christ. side. So, yeah, so Michael Boxel, yeah, fuck you. Um, sit on the bench, you're, you piece of shit Kiwi. He does one game, yeah. and you, you hope that he dies. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give no, it to... I, I didn't say dies. Just sit on the bench. Sit on the bench. That's a slow death. Um, I'm going to say Mason Toy here. Um, he can't do what Quintero does, who, who is ostensibly who he was replacing in the lineup. He can't do what he does. He can't take guys on. He can't control the ball in a tight space and, and, and make something happen. And he, he, unfortunately, he doesn't have the finishing. Now, he's a young enough guy with enough physical tools that he can still blossom into that. But, A, we're not probably going to give him the time to do that. We don't appear to be set to loan him out to a place where he can get that, that time to develop in that way. Um, and so unless we trade him, he probably won't become that, unfortunately. But on the night... He, he didn't get it done, and uh, he, he didn't help connect someone like Angelo Rodriguez to the midfield in the buildup, and uh, he missed chances that he had, and that's too bad. 
Yeah, that's right. it. So let's cover quickly some other United news. Then we're going to launch into our picks, and then we're going to get to the good stuff. Yeah, that's that's the best stuff. Um, Tyrone Mears and the club mutually agreed to end his contract. <clears throat> uh, next day, he signed with West Brom in the championship. He played today, actually, uh, and I don't think they lost. So good on Tyrone Mears. Yeah. Uh, Kevlin Boxer will be out for the next match due to yellow card accumulation. Um, Kevlin will actually be out for the next match after the DC match because Kevlin is playing for Costa Rica. Um as is Rasmus Schuler playing for Finland, he'll be out for the DC match as well. So, hooray! Des- deserved, deserved call up. For yeah, no, Schuller he's again. he's played really great, <clears throat> and yeah, he definitely deserves that. But you know, the already very thin, thin DC is going to be Minnesota. A it's going to be, and I, you know, I really, I really wanted to go to that game because I really want to see Audi Field. I was like, oh, I love DC, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad I'm not going to that game. I'd now. love to make a road tifo that just is <clears throat> something like like. <laughs> Have mercy or something. <laughs> please, please, let's just have fun today. Yeah. Um, Gutierrez remains on the men and isn't guaranteed to hit the field again again against DC United. Um, I've heard blood clots rumors uh, that he has blood clots in his leg, which is not great. Um, so we'll see about that. Isn't your blood uh, supposed to clot? It's not. You know, like if you start bleeding? You yeah, but to... not like, yeah, not in your leg and clotting up your leg so that you Look, don't I'm, get. I'm not a doctor. Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah neither of us are doctors, so don't, don't quote us on that. Um, so, yeah, so Minnesota gets two weeks off because they don't play during the national break. Um, again, you know, Eric Miller out, you know, went out with an injury. Hopefully everybody gets healthy. That's kind of the, the biggest thing. Um, FIFA president Gianni Infantino uh, held a meeting with Donald Trump today at the White House. That was a thing. And I'm in the Minnesota United, Minnesota United FC State Fair hype video hugging Jamie Watson at 19 seconds. So check that out. I saw that. Jamie Watson. So – I have a funny Jimmy Watson story. Get so, a good hug. Yeah, I got a hug with Jimmy Watson. So the G- I have Jimmy Watson story is, is about two years ago, Jimmy Watson did a story on the supporters groups before, like during uh, the like uh, a friendly. I think maybe the club is on friendly. So like two years ago, like when they with him, like he wasn't doing the broadcast. So he went to uh, town hall, hung out with T and E, came to Nomad, hung out with with us, and I did an interview with Jimmy Nomad with Jamie at the Nomad. A bunch of dark clouds. We, you know, he interviewed me for like five minutes and we all did a cheers, slammed beers, all it was good. And I would see Jimmy Watson, you know, you see him because he's all over the place. So you're like, oh, hey, Jamie Watson, what's going on? And he would come up and be like, hey, I, hey, guy, how's it going? Never once mentioned my name. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He definitely recognized me, but he didn't. I was like, yeah, the guy doesn't, you know, like, whatever. It's Jamie Watson. He doesn't he knows know a lot name. of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people. He's, he's interviewed a lot of people over the time. And so I was standing in the Dark Clouds booth uh, at the Minnesota United thing in Fan Central at State Fair on Thursday last week. And I was talking to Jake over at uh, uh, at the booth, uh, and he I was like, "We're talking about you know, we're seeing Jamie Watson, Cal, and and Kendra doing like eating foods from the State Fair and all that." And I was like, get, like, looked like they were getting. I was like, I was telling Jake this same story. I was like, yeah, I was like, I've, I've hung out. I've literally hung out and, and talked to Jamie Watson like probably 10 times. I don't think that motherfucker knows my name. And uh, I was like, you know, look this up, check this out. So they get done. They're moving along. And uh, Jamie and I lock eyes. And he, he in literally about 15 feet away. He's like, David, what's going on? And he comes over. And that's, we do the, 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 the hand yeah. hug. 
thing that's they got that on video. That was so, on video. Yeah. So, so it was a lot so, more emotion for you in yeah. that video than we even know. Exactly. Yeah. JB Watson, oh. remember my name. So cool. what you should have done has been like Brad. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Just, Jamie, Brad. Oh, Brad. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. No. So, oh, Jamie. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Apparently, JB Watson knows my name. So that's cool. That's, that's my long long story. Uh, let's talk about picture didn't happen last week. Okay, what um, happened? Yeah, uh, NYC. So we it was rivalry week. Rivalry week. That's a fucking football song. So NYCFC versus Red Bulls, Chicago versus Columbus, Houston Dynamo versus FC Dallas. Oh, it is one one. Hooray! Rivalry week. Uh, I picked the FC Dallas. So much emotion. Dynamo one. That's the only one that we got correct. Uh, Atlanta United beat Orlando <laughs> City because. Of course they did. Uh, we both picked that one correctly. Duh. We actually did pretty good this week, man. So of course uh, we, we both predicted uh, Galaxy and FC, LAFC uh, drawing. It was a 1-1 one, one draw. Because it's a fucking – look, look. Rivalry, I, I get it. It's They've very, never it's won. It's a very corporate No one has ever won thing. that. Yeah. It's a very corporate thing. Some of these games have deep blood, and this one is going to get it real fast. They've yeah. played three times this year, and every time it's been nuts. Yeah. Uh, Philly beat uh, New England 1-0. We both picked that one correctly. Yeah. Toronto FC beat Montreal in pack 3-1. We both picked that one. Uh, and uh, Sporting Kansas City beating Minnesota United 2-0. Uh, we both picked that so one correctly. It's real rivalry. <laughs> Listen, I know we make a lot of fun of it. Yeah. It matters to me when I when we lose to Sporting. Does Even it? if our season is shit. Does it I want really? It does. Absolutely. It stings worse when it's Sporting, I, and I fucking hate him. I don't. It doesn't hurt any like more. That's your personal opinion. Okay, it matters um, to me. No one predicted this one. Real Salt Lake six, Colorado zero. In Colorado, <laughs> in Colorado, uh, how the fuck did that happen? Sammy, oh my god. Uh, Vancouver three, San Jose one. In San Jose, we both picked that one correctly because of course we did. San Jose's um, garbage. Red Bulls one. San Jose has. Uh, um, Never mind. I was going to quote a statistic, and then I forgot the statistic. Okay. This is great stuff. Great, <laughs> great content. Great, great content. Yeah. Uh, Red Bulls won. DC United zero. We both picked that one correctly. And then Seattle Sounders won. Portland zero. I picked that one correctly because you had uh, some faith in Portland. So Four losses in a row now for Portland. What <sighs> on earth? Yeah, they were very hot, and they are very not now. That's... They could fall out of the playoff picture still. Yeah. Well, probably not. Probably not. Let's talk about week, six, week 69 picks. Guys, week 69. by the way, this is... This is episode 69. This is why this is a very important podcast for us, where yeah. we got these really awesome guests. This is episode 69 yep. of the podcast. Yep. So We're going to be swallowing each other's dongs right after this. Uh, yep. God willing. Um, all right, D.C. United versus Philadelphia. Who you got? Uh, D.C. United, 3-2. Uh, to two. Good game. I got a 3-1 D.C. United win. How about the Red Bulls versus the Houston Dynamo? 2-1 to one win Red Bulls. 4-1 for me. It's uh, got to be Red Bulls. Portland 2, Toronto FC 0. Look, what do you, you got? Fucker. Did you Portland have? Timbers? Oh, Portland Timbers are going to win. It's going to be two to nothing. They're going to turn the shit around. Oh, uh, we are high, like a hive mind. Uh, I have FC Dallas beating San Jose in San Jose two to nothing. What do you got? I actually have a one-one draw. Really? I see a FC Dallas uh, swinging into their typical second half swing. Okay. Uh, Sounders host Sporting Kansas City. I have uh, Sounders winning two to one. Sounders are really fucking red hot right now. Sounders got hot. Which, what a shock. Right. Yeah, Sounders. I, I was, Sounders. They were, who told you back back in fucking March, like May, that Sounders and Toronto FC were going to make the playoffs? I, be, I, I, I was the one. Who said I believed that. Toronto could do it. I did not believe at all that Seattle could do it. I thought they dug themselves way too deep a hole. But two two things. First of all, I did not estimate how bad Toronto is, and second of all, <laughs> um, I didn't estimate how bad the West is. 
Now, Seattle That's got fair. hot. Seattle yeah. deserved that. When it, this is the third year in a row, by the way. You know they're going to make a run to the fucking final yeah. for how bad they were. Yeah. It's unacceptable. Yeah. That's fair. Seattle. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I've got <laughs> Seattle winning three to nothing over Sporting. Fair enough. All right. And then uh, on the weekend, uh, New England hosting Portland. I have a 1-1 draw. Listen, Portland. <laughs> Is this, is this where Portland comes through? I predict they're going to come through earlier in the week. This one's going to be a 0-0 draw. It's going to be the worst game you've ever seen. That's probably fair. Uh, Orlando City hosts Philadelphia. I have a one nothing Philadelphia win because fuck Orlando City. Exact and they're score, fucking fans. Exact score. Fuck those worst assholes. Worst fans in the country. Yeah. Montreal Impact hosts the Red Bulls. I have a 1-1 draw in Montreal. I got one nothing Red Bulls win. I, I cannot not pick the Red Bulls. Ever. Yeah, Montreal's not bad, though, right now, ma'am. Um, all right, Columbus hosts... <laughs> Columbus hosts NYFC, NYCFC. I got a 2-1 Columbus win. I got a 1-1 draw. All right. FC Dallas hosts the Houston Dynamo, a rematch of uh, Rivalry Week from last week. <laughs> I, got a, I, got a two, I got a 2-1 FC Dallas win, it's this time in uh, Dallas versus uh, last time in Houston. So, What is their stadium called now in Dallas? It used to be Pizza Hut Park. I think it's Toyota Park. Pizza Hut Park is the worst fucking name for it. Like, Anyways, is, isn't, isn't Toyota Park kind of worse? No, Pizza Hut Park is much worse. <laughs> okay. uh, two to one win to FC I mean, Dallas. Papa John's Park is way worse than Pizza Pizza Hut Park. Yo, it's not as bad as fucking Racism <laughs> Park, which is one I'm going to open. Okay. Sponsored by <laughs> Ku Klux Klan. You know, they don't have a lot of... They, that's the thing. Like, Ku Klux Klan... <laughs> you know, for as big a membership and as, as you know as famous as they are, they don't do a lot of charitable work. That's true. It's true. You think they'd at least donate to like a fucking? I mean, because it's not all about race. I mean, sure they think white people are better, but they I have mean, to. They have to also think that like being hungry is bad, and let's try and you know make the white kids not hungry. Theoretically, you know, they, they should donate to something. I mean, theoretically, yes. Yeah, theoretically, it's not all about hate. Uh. No, no, I'm saying the organization is all about hate, but they have to also be like, well, you know, I also, I like to go fishing and shit, and they donate to a fucking wildlife preserve. Like get, I don't know. Get kids fishing? Yeah. White yeah. kids fishing, you know. White kids fishing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, Toronto FC hosts LAFC. I have a, a 3-1 Toronto FC win over uh, LAFC. 2-2 two, two draw. Oh. Uh, Ramirez scoring two goals on that one. God, let's hope so. I got I got one Ramirez goal. I will. You know what? I will support I got, that. Dude. I actually, got, I got two Ramirez goals. One's an own goal. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it before, kids. Yes. All right. Vancouver hosts San Jose. I got a five-one Vancouver win over God San Jose. In heaven. It's Vancouver, bud. I got yeah. a, I got a one. Alfonso Davies uh, going out show. Oh, the the uh, you're talking about the Byron player. Yeah. Uh, one nothing win uh, for Vancouver. God. All right, RSL hosts LA Galaxy. RSL two, LA Galaxy one. What do you got? I got RSL two, uh, LA Galaxy zero. I was definitely, I, th- I should have just given them fucking seven goals or something. Apparently that's how it works. Yeah, uh, DC United host Atlanta United in the Battle of Uniteds. I have a DC United win three to two. Uh, I got Atlanta United two to one. You can't, you can't. Re- the only way that Atlanta United doesn't win is if a piece of the stadium falls off and hurts one of their key players. All right, which enough. is kind of like a fifty-fifty prospect. It's a very much a real possibility. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into our uh, interview with uh, Alan Lilly and Chris Lidholm. Yeah, happy 69th, guys. Yeah. We've got two very, very special guests here. I think they're the biggest names we ever got. We don't, and we don't get very many names, um, but they're still big. 
we got Alan Willing, we got Chris Lidholm, and I'm going to introduce Alan first. Alan, uh, Willie, you might know from Minnesota soccer uh, history and from the Soccer Hall of Fame in the United States. He scored 80 goals and 134 appearances with the Minnesota Kicks proper and the indoor iteration. I'm calling the outdoor proper and the indoor the indoor, if that's okay. Um, the greatest goal scorer in Minnesota soccer history, if I'm not mistaken. He looks like he doesn't want to nod, but I believe that's accurate. Well, I'm not sure about your numbers, but I think it's a little higher than 80. But that ju- that's just, wait, wait, oh, that's wait, just hold me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not, just me, you know. I'm not, I haven't run through the it whole. Doesn't really matter, but I think it's 95. <laughs> or something. Well, so what? I, what I've got here then? Uh, what I've got here then is uh, scored 15 goals and 24 appearances with the Minnesota Strikers, then outdoor, and then this can't be right. What 151 goals and 191 appearances for the indoor? Indoor, variety? yeah, yeah. There's a lot, lot of goals indoors. Yeah. <laughs> had to be right. fast to play indoors is it? well they have to okay. be accurate you have to be a- okay there you yeah. go <laughs> so he's uh, um, uh, second all-time leading scorer in the original NASL uh, and is a member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame so of, of all that the question I'm going to ask you is uh, where does the nickname the artful Dodger come from I believe the guy's name was Charlie Holman I think he was was at the Pioneer Press back in the day um, he interviewed us after the games and Charlie Walters. No, no, Charlie oh, Holman. Oh, Holman. Okay. Um, and s- for some reason, after some game, he uh, talked about uh, dodging this and dodging that, and he says, "You remind me of the Artful Dodger," and, and I think that was early in 1976, and it's still it's still hanging it's around these hanging days. Hanging around, yeah, it'd yeah. be a good uh, if they make a comic book based on you. I think that's the. Uh, well, it is. It is from England. It's, uh, is it a Charles Dickens thing? I'm oh, is it? I think it is. Yeah. It is an. It is. It, yeah. It's an English thing. Yeah. I've, I'm not Maybe that's why I came up with it. else here is more you know? well read than I am. That's all right. Uh, next to him, we got Chris Lidholm, uh, one time partner in the booth with Alan there. Uh, you were in the booth, what, 24 years for Minnesota soccer, I think? Um, recruited by Buzz Lagos himself back in 93 uh, after earning a broadcast major at the Brown Institute. It was called the Brown Institute then. Um, my question for you, Chris, is what have you been doing now that you're uh, not in the booth anymore? Uh, just being a fan. Really, in all honesty, it's been uh, kind of nice from the standpoint of instead of being at the stadium two hours at a time, I walk in the front door about 10 minutes before kickoff uh, and such. Well, there are a lot of things that I miss, but primarily just sitting in a seat uh, right near my son and his girlfriend and watching the game and wandering the stadium, talking to a bunch of fans and folks that I've known for years throughout the, uh, you know, the soccer world. It's been a it's been a great pleasure for me to like see you in the state in the concourse or whatever and and literally just you know where you I'll catch you in the beer line or like as I'm standing in the beer line you're walking by you'll stop by and yeah say, let's get that straight you're in the beer I'm, line yes, I'm standing I'm in the beer line by, you're yeah. walking by I'll you'll say hey and then uh, then a bunch of people will be like, come over and say hello and mm-hmm. how's that go how's it going that's that's gotta be that's gotta be a good feeling right I mean especially someone who's you know like synonymous with Minnesota soccer uh, you know. For the last again, yeah, twenty plus years in Minnesota, it's got to be it's got to be a great feeling, right? It is. It is a lot of fun. I, uh, it's a chance for me to get caught up with people I haven't seen maybe in years. Each and every game, I might run into a new face here and there. Uh, my favorite story is the home opener this year. I started the game standing underneath the giant scoreboard, the giant uh, video board, and it took me until the eighty fourth minute to get back to that same location. So you got to count the 84 minutes of the game plus the 15 minutes of halftime. It took me an hour and a half to do just one lap of TCF Bank Stadium because I was so busy chatting with fans and, and former teammates and coaches of mine. It was just, it was, oh my God, it was a, a lot of fun. I think I spoke more that day than I did during any broadcast <laughs> ever. 
Uh, so that was very, very cool. I can't, I actually did leave that game hoarse. My, my throat was very sore and whatnot. My family was enjoying the fact that I couldn't talk. So, I mean, it was kind of nice. <laughs> That's that's we know that feeling leaving horse. That's yes. something that we're yeah, used we to. Fortunately, yeah, my uh, <laughs> my my Monday mornings are always pretty pathetic when I get back to work here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over to Alan. Alan, how closely do you follow uh, Minnesota soccer these days? Uh, I've been to maybe two or three games this season. Uh, I do when I get a chance to see the game on TV. Um, I, I know I I like to see them play. I mean I, I'm a I'm a homer. I watch the the, the Twins, the Wild, the Vikings. Uh, so I really watch all the home teams, mm-hmm. regardless of who's on TV. I am too. And Chris, uh, you mentioned getting to see it from a different perspective as a fan. How closely are you following this year? Uh, pretty close. I still stick with it because uh, even though I'm not working for the team directly, uh, I'm still involved and still into it uh, because you never know. Down the road, I could be back into it. And uh, so I always want to be aware of what's going on year by year, regardless of my role with the team, be it was fan or broadcast. It is, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a tease, but a new album it, uh, you, you just never know. So I, the door, the door, in my opinion, has been, you know, left open to where it's, uh, you know, could be a return, may not, who knows, but uh, I, I left on, I think, good terms, and uh, we'll see. That's cool. Um, so, you know, Alan, just want to talk about a little bit more about, like, I was never part of the Minnesota kicks days. Like I was very, very, very young when, when those things were happening. Um, you obviously were, took part of, and were a huge part of the, of the kicks days. What was a game day like for a player? I mean, I've heard stories and I've heard like from my parent, like my father, from other people who are, you know, a little bit older than me. Um, I was a very baby at that time. Um, what were like those kicks days like? And, Speaking of as we're, you know, as the, the team is trying to do the 50K to midway, get that big sort of thing going. I, I, I remember, like, there was tailgates, and it was amazing. But what, from a player perspective, like, how were those, how were those kicks games? It's a little different as a game day coming from England, okay. uh, coming over here. You know, we used to live maybe three or four miles from the stadium, and you'd pull up over the Cedar Bridges coming along to Met, to Met Center there, and you would just, the, the traffic would be backed up at 4 o'clock. We we, we were supposed to be there between 5.30 and 6 o'clock, but we had to adjust that as the season went on because the traffic was so bad. The, and sometimes the parking lot didn't open until 3 or 4 o'clock, and by the time we got there, it was pretty much full. <laughs> and there's not many people in the stadium that time, but everyone was out tailgating, and it was just a big event for everyone. Uh, we'd go in and uh, get ready, we'd come out, and we'll, we'd actually walk around or get driven around in golf carts just to chat to fans outside in the parking lot, you know, and <laughs> sometimes they try to offer your beers and stuff like that as, you, as you're driving around. They'll just say, no, keep that on ice till late, till after the game. After the game we'll, we'll be yeah. back. Okay. But it was, it was completely different coming from England to coming over and, and seeing this, but it was, it was, it was great. I'm going to piggyback off that question. A friend of the podcast, Colin Solberg specifically wrote in and asked the question, have you ever seen a player in the NASL days playing openly, obviously inebriated? Um, no, but back in England, when I played in England, I've seen a couple of players come to training a little hungover. They hadn't been home yet, but <laughs> <laughs> they, and they were in the reserves, and there's a reason why they're in the reserves. <laughs> it's a you know, egg that's, you know, they were never going to get past the reserves to the first team when you come in after being out all night and still still hungover, but <laughs> n- I've never seen anyone playing drunk, not least a, 
I didn't think they were. Okay. I made them look like they were drunk, but <laughs> I, I don't think they were. <laughs> so so you, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't smell it on their breath or anything like that? So. No, no. So I actually have a question because you played for Middlesbrough, right? Yes. Um, and you played up when they, when they came up to the first league, right? In the first division. Back first division, yeah, first division, yeah. And then you played for Jack Charles. Jack, Jack, how was that? You played for Jack Charlton. That's amazing. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a great, great coach, but he was, um, he was always looking after the young kids. Uh, I remember when uh, we were an apprentice, he would take, he was, a, he was a big hunter. He liked to go and shoot you know, geese and, and rabbits and what have you. And he would take all the apprentices in his Range Rover, we'd get in there with his dogs in the back, and we'd go and, we'd go and beat the, the bushes so while they could, you know, the, the, the pheasants would fly up, yeah, and then we had to hit the deck and stuff like that. And, <laughs> You know, all, and then the dogs would retrieve him, and we would get all thrown in the back of the, the Range Rover with all the dead birds <laughs> in the back on the on the way, on the way home. But they paid us, you know, back then they paid us like 25, 30 pounds, which is like 50 bucks, and that was five times more than we were getting paid weekly back then. So, so that you, was great. You beat the bushman and then they hit the deck. They hit the deck. Yeah, because you know the shotguns were going <laughs> off. So as soon as anything flew out of the bushes, we were all on the deck. But yeah, he he was he was a great coach. I mean. Um, he, when I first got there, when I was 16, I think 16 year old, I think it was in 73, and um, they won the f the second division by, or I think the, it was pretty much over by Christmas. They yeah. pretty much sealed it back to the first division, and then the next year is when I got into the first team, and um, there was a couple of guys on the um, on the on the verge of getting into the first team back then, and you know, he was a stickler for people that had long hair, and if you didn't, if you had long hair, you had to get it cut. <laughs> And if you didn't, you'd have the trainer hold you down and he'd cut the hair for you. And did you have long hair? I didn't, no. Okay. I, I knew, but there's a couple of guys didn't. They wouldn't get a cut. But when he cut the chunks out, they had no choice, you know? <laughs> that, that's the kind of coach he was back then. You could n never get away with it these days. You know, I, I miss those days. No, no Carlos Puyols or anything. I'm gonna, so I'm going to throw it, uh, uh, Chris, you have seen so much of Minnesota soccer history too. What's it been like to watch the team evolve over time, the way that it has? And, and ask a similar question: Do you have a, like a particular memory or a couple of memories stand out that you're just like, "Holy shit, that that actually happened"? Is there anything that stands out for you? The memories themselves, uh, well, early memory or right away, most recent memory, I should say, uh, Christian Ramirez game winner against the Cosmos. Uh, I still, you know, headed away, flick on by Lang, Davis, ton of real estate in front of him, <laughs> Justin Davis up the left side, across, Ramirez, Ramirez, Christian Ramirez, and that will stick with me forever, and that whole goal call of just Ramirez, the name being extended, will stay with me, and that type, um, that, that game winner. Uh, also, the, the the championships in uh, the championship in, in 2011 and in 1999 with the Thunder. Uh, I was a sideline reporter for the broadcast in the '99 championship, and uh, and it was you know great to just be on the field and watch those guys win it at the National Sports Center. And that was the thing they had been to these championships in years prior, but they always lost to the home team, the the hosting team. They always would win it, and I said to Buzz after the. 90 I think 98 97 I said you guys got to step it up here and get it home and you'll win it and then sure enough the next year they stepped it up and won it at home so uh, those type of memories those championships and then, and then the, with the crowds it is the was it 2011 2012 2011 I want to say 
Minnesota scores, runs over, and the dasher boards collapse yeah. with the fans falling over the top of it. Uh, that type, those those fan memories, the the flares, the the start of the 2012 playoffs when the dark clouds. It was the first game against San Antonio, and the dark clouds are chanting, "Come and get it," and they're referencing the championship. You know, "Come and get it, come and get it." And I remember I was leaning out the press box. I, we were on the other side at this time. I was leaning out the press box, recording it on my phone, and we're 10 seconds to air. We're nine, we're eight, and my producer's counting. And with two seconds, I pop back in, shut the window, and start the <laughs> broadcast. But I wanted to get that video because I could hear it. And that is what motivated and really kind of got me going for that broadcast was the dark clouds on the other side. Excellent. <clears throat> so you guys just had a brief time together, a brief, you know, sprint together as uh, as analysts and and you know play play by play guys can you can you each why don't you guys give me a story embarrassing for one another uh like you know alan want you i'll start with you and then i'll and then i'll let chris give you an embarrassing alan story so well for me it was was it was it the ottawa game the playoff uh the playoff game when it went to extra time and i needed to go at the restroom like at the 45th minute and i couldn't go we didn't have time, so I was holding hold it in. It was the we did the broadcast from the stadium up there, so was waiting and waiting and waiting. And this this can't go to overtime, and sure enough, they scored late <laughs> in the game, and it goes to overtime, and then it goes the full was it thirty minutes afterwards, and I'm absolutely my back teeth are floating. I mean, I cannot go any longer, and as soon as he Chris closes out and said good night, thanks for joining, boom 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 boom, I'm out the door and I'm peeing on the steps. It's like. <laughs> It's just like a flood going down to the, the front row. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it wasn't away again because I, I I would never have lasted. I would never have lasted. You would have been arrested for indecent oh. exposure if it was a home game for crying out loud. You're trying to have to on those steps. I, I shared a very similar story. The last time I was on with you guys was basically because of his knees, he couldn't make it down the the, the steps fast enough. So it would be usually right in front of the press box and right then and there and the look of relief on his face whenever he come back was amazing. There was all it, kinds it, of yeah. cabling there. Yeah, too, so. I can say to dodge it all. Pissing on the cabling? That yeah. didn't, that didn't matter. Never, he never shorted out any sort of equipment, so we're all right. So That's good. Good to know. So um, you each, uh, or you, Chris, mentioned Christian uh, in, in that memory with that goal. Obviously, Christian is gone now in the last few weeks. Uh, what is the reaction each of you have to Christian being gone? I mean, do you see it uh, as a, a good bit of business that was inevitable? Do you see it as a betrayal, as I, I think uh, some <laughs> histrionic uh, opinions have been? Um, what do you guys think about that trade? I think it was an awful move, really. I mean, I'm a big fan of Christian Ramirez. He reminds me a lot of how I played. And for the last two seasons, they weren't playing to his strengths. Um, he's a finisher. He's not a guy that's going to pick the ball up midfield, beat three or four guys, and rip it into the top corner. Yeah, every now and again, maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he needs service. And the service, the lack of service the last two seasons has been horrendous. I think it was last season I was watching the Atlanta game. Or was it? I think they were down to 10 men in Atlanta, and Minnesota must have had 40 crosses that, that day. And every, every cross was the same, just a high floating ball in the middle. Keeper come out, catches, punches it away. And for, for Christian, he, he needs to be served balls in the near post where he can get across people. The balls need to be whipped in there. But every ball was crossed in the same height, the same distance, floating up there. And the goalkeeper, he could have played, I'm not sure where he was from, but he, 
after that game, he could have played for his national team. He looked <laughs> that good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was ju- it was just it was horrendous. They, de- they didn't play to his strengths, and his strengths is you got to give him the ball in the box, give it to his feet, give it into space in the box. But it was th- they w- they never played that way, and I was very surprised that they didn't play to his abilities. Um, and then you knew something was wrong the last couple of games when I think they were down, they were losing at home, and they only used two subs, and Christian's still on the bench, and he never brought him on. So I don't know if it was something to do with the coach didn't like him or, or not, but um, I remember when I got traded back in, I think it was 81. Um, it was, I think, June or July of 1981. That was to Montreal. To Montreal, yeah. yeah. And uh, Sid Hartman, um, he used to call me all the time on the road, uh, the sports hero of the day or whatever, and he wrote it was one of the, the worst trades any Minnesota team have ever made by selling your top goal scorer away, you know, s- selling him to a different team. And I felt the same way about Christian. I mean, he's a goal scorer. He would have continued to score goals if you give him the service. But they weren't playing to his strengths. Um, I'm not sure if, if they knew that or not because um, you give him the ball inside the box and you see everyone knows he's a goal scorer. Do you think um, given the relative war chest that they got for him in terms of Gam and Tam and Fran and whatever else they have, I mean, if they don't have a roster to play to his strengths, is it worth it to offload him and get money that you can use to rebuild? For me, no. I mean, you know, I, I have no idea what all that, that stuff is about. <laughs> two hundred fifty thousand here, two hundred fifty thousand there. You know, it, 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 to me, it's it's nonsense. You have one of the, if you if you look, I think I read somewhere where he's, the last three or four seasons, he's the top American goal scorer in all leagues. So why would you trade him away? You know, you're looking at Josie Aldedon, all these other guys who played the M- MLS and for the national teams. Christian's got more goals than all those guys, and he's still. For whatever reason, I don't think he, the coach liked how he played. But they didn't, like I said, they're not playing to his strengths. So, Alan Willie on the record <laughs> as Heath out. I think it's he, like just yes, <laughs> that's that's her. Alan, welcome to the Heath out train. I'm 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 the I'm the conductor of that train. Choo choo. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, this is before I was born, but 1978, you scored five go- five goals. The game against the New York Cosmos in a playoff game. Um, not to get all like Chris Farley fanboy on you, but how cool was that? Um, <laughs> that's not even the question. Well, no, how cool was that? Question mark. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it was a great night. But the only thing that was was disappointing about that was, I believe at the time the that you didn't get six. No, 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 no. Uh, that, that would come later. Um, but the press, uh, the the print, and uh, the press were on strike in New York. So didn't get the full coverage oh. in, in New York as it would have been normally. You know, we played two. You know, we played two days later, August 16th, 1978. Yeah. Just, just saying. Um, and obviously, we got beat in the mini game, but it, it was an awesome feeling when they announced the, the team. You come out one at a time from the tunnel in Giant Stadium. You get called into the, to run into the center center field, and then you call your name and you got 60,000 people booing you as soon as you come off the. That was an awesome feeling. That was the best part than any of the five goals. I just won six thousand people to boo me yeah. at any point in my life. That'd every, be amazing. And then we went, we went into into the extra game, and I think Jack Brand he came in after the first goal in, at Met Stadium, and the only save he made was from a header that I had late. That would have been the winning goal, and he actually made a save. Damn it, um, Chris, your feelings about Christian? No, 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 no. I'm good. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty similar to Alan. Uh, I, I think that the the struggle was not playing to his strengths. He has something that you just can't teach. He just has that natural nose for the goal. 
Allen had the same thing when he played. Uh, it and so you just you have to play those balls in to Christian into his feet. You saw what he did in his first start with LAFC. They played the ball into his feet, and what does he do? Boom, two goals. Boom, you know, with no problem. That's what they did. Minnesota struggled to do that, or has struggled to do that. There are players, and you're bringing up before about redoing the roster, bringing different players. There are players on this current roster that can serve the ball in and just maybe weren't supposed to, maybe didn't under coaching. I, I don't know. But playing those ball into his feet, he just has that natural scoring ability, and, and I think that is, that's really it. It's just you can't not, teach that. You can't teach No, it. you can't. No, no. You know, we've talked about this it's many times. in the box. Yeah, you know, Christian would score these goals, you know, where it would be a simple – you know, one touch, boom, hit it, or the little chip, or the, or even the, you know, the bicycle or against Indy, that type of stuff. You just can't teach that. We've talked about this many, many times in the booth after broadcast when he would score some goals that just aren't, you know, taught and how you were to score a goal. It just comes naturally to somebody like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something Chris won't say, and that's that uh, you, you have uh, relationships with folks in the, the front office from your long history in soccer and all this kind of stuff. He's not gonna come on here and say that he thinks uh, Manny stinks or whatever, you know. Uh, and I think you can professionally agree or disagree, and, and you know that's always uh, a reasonable. But he's not gonna come on here and say any of that kind of stuff. You're a, you're a professional through and through, Chris. I'm <laughs> so that was very, that was very uh, charitable way to put all of it. Um, I'm going to ask a transition question here from Bridget McDowell, who's a writer for uh, MLS Female and a, a contributor to our website too. Um, can Angelo Rodriguez become the goal scorer then that he's hoped to become? What do you guys think is what you see with him? I mean, I've seen very little of him. Um, he's only been here for a couple of games. And to be honest, I watched the Sporting KC game the other day, and I'm watching it for half an hour, and I didn't realize he was on the field. For a guy that's paid that much money, he needs to be at the spotlight and he and maybe it's just a new team maybe he's not fit right now but he's got a long way to go if he's gonna fill Christian's boots so to speak mm -hmm. um, if he's gonna be a goal scorer he needs to be more involved especially on the road and that's this big struggles this year on the road is they're having trouble getting attempts at goal I mean the, they're always seem to be under pressure defensively and they're very rarely on the attack and that needs to change um, because if that doesn't change they're going nowhere in a hurry right now to me, Angelo Rodriguez seems to be a different player than Christian Ramirez from the standpoint of Christian, you need to play the ball into his feet. And then, he, like we were just talking about, you know, one touch, hit it, whatnot. Rodriguez seems to be more of you play the ball into his feet, but you can play it into his feet 20, 25 yards out, and he'll like to take on the defender and dribble from that distance. And for Christian playing the ball in the air, looking for his head, but Angelo is more at, you know, at his feet. He doesn't seem like the type that would go up and try and get those crosses. That's just from the little bit I've seen. I think there are maybe two different players. And I also think in regards to the Christian Ramirez trade, I think fans wouldn't have as much problem with it from a standpoint of if there was somebody that you could see that could really play the same way Christian does or was ready to kind of be his heir apparent. You know, if Abu, for example, Abu Dunladi was one that could you could play the ball into his feet and it's, you know, one touch and hit it or whatnot, where he's still to develop, and then Christian's put out because of, of that, I can see that. But there isn't anybody or hasn't been anybody that I've seen so far that can kind of, like Alan just said, fill Christian's boots from the way that he as a forward plays. But uh, to be honest, though, Christian's not a target man either. I mean, he no. played as one, but he, he's not great at holding the ball up. I wasn't no. great at holding the ball up. 
my biggest strength was I played with Ron Fletcher. The ball was played to him. His strength is hold the ball up and win the ball in the air. Right. I would read the ball coming into him. If it was low, I would track around, come around in front, and he would chest it down for me. Or if it was high, then I would know I've got to get on my bike and get past him. And that's what Minnesota doesn't have. They, they tend to, to get down the wings and they have these hopeful balls into the middle. They really don't have anybody that's great in the air. Even Christian is, is six. I'm sure he's six one, six two. Mm-hmm. He wasn't great in the air. He'd score goals in the air, but he, he wasn't powerful like you see some right. of these guys as a, as a target man is. But but that's the thing though. Minnesota United over the years, not just MLS years, but over the years during Christian's career, they didn't really have a target forward for him to run off of. No. So he had to be that target. He had forward. to be that guy, and then people were critical of him that he can't hold the ball up. That's not his strength. Right. So they needed to get someone who can hold the ball up and let Christian play off him. You know, they've got Quintero now. You know, Quintero could play off of a, of a Christian, but still he's not a great target man. And, uh, and that was one of his downfalls. You know, he's, he's okay at home. He, from the NESL days to, to recently with the MLS, he did get better at it. Mm. You know, he would continue to get better, he's, but he's not an uh, out-and-out target man. Right. Did you say get on your bike? Yeah, you, you got to you know, yeah. get going, get going. Get on your bike. I always, I always use get on your horse as a, as the when I'm yelling at my ultimate frisbee teammates, like get on your horse. That's yeah, it's the same thing. same thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. I said, I've never heard get on your bike. I, I, I ride bikes. I'm like I've never heard get on your bike before. Um, so one of our uh, one of our Twitter followers, Iron Pen, asks, uh, what are the similarities and differences between the NASL of the '70s and MLS of today? Uh, you guys probably. Chris is watching of that, and then Alan obviously played it, so you can probably see and answer that a little bit. So, well, the biggest thing for me these days, the MLS, any soccer game right now is, it's a non-contact sport. It's and that's, and that's what's disappointing me these days. Um, I, I I said I watched the Sporting KC game last week. I'm not sure the guy's name. If you guys saw the game. Um, I think Coleman might have put his hand up on the guy's chest and he went down like oh, he, yeah. took, he Diego, took a Diego Diego Rubio. And then 10 minutes later he goes that down son again. Of a bitch. And it, I mean, that, there's no place in the game for that. Right. That's, that was like the World Cup to me. I mean, it was, oh, what a great World Cup. The thing that stood out for me was all the diving and flopping. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Until they do, do away with that or, or penalize people heavily for that, they're going to continue and continue. Because, you know, they've got VAR these days, they've got all these camera angles. You can't get away with crap like that these days. And you can see him, the, Coleman put his hand up around his chest area, not even close to his face, and he comes up holding his eyes. I mean, that's got to get out of the game. I mean, back in the days, you know, just recently, someone played Liverpool about two or three years ago. And Van Aanholter, I think he plays for Crystal Palace now, he's the left back. Ten minutes into the game, he's got a red card. He hasn't made a tackle yet. They're running down the sideline side by side, and because he's defending the guys on the attack, they get the legs tangled, yellow card. Ten minutes later, same thing, legs tangled, yellow card, without making a tackle. There's too many yellow cards in the game these days. We're, we're Liverpool fans, by the way. Liverpool, so. yeah. But it's just, <laughs> it just burns me the way that any kind of tackle these days, someone goes down, it's a yellow card and a free kick. And that's what, that part I can't get used to. It's just, it burns me. The defenders you played against in the NASL days, if a guy did anything of that sort, how would the defenders react to it? Because there wasn't all the cameras. They could get away with a little bit more. Would there be a, you know, hey, if, uh, you know, pick your forward that you know, your defenders, Minnesota Kicks defenders played against, did a little bit of a dive. Next time he comes through, does Alan Merrick oh. throw, throw an elbow in his face just to with, teach him? With Alan Merrick, you're going to lose your teeth. 
Sure. Because that's what he would do. If you pissed him off and you kept diving on him, he would elbow you on purpose and you, he would lose your teeth. I mean, that's, that's how he was. And that's how the game was played back those days. Any kind of tackle you go in, you get a good full-blooded tackle, you go down, you might get hurt, you might, you might not. But the referee kept his whistle in his pocket. At least there was contact. Now there is just no contact in the game. And most sports are trying to do, the football's doing that. I think hockey's trying to do that, trying to get rid of all the contact in the sport. And it, it, to, for me, it spoils it. Yeah, it's fast. It's a fast game. It's a great game. But when people are diving and every time the, the whistle's going every 15 seconds for any kind of tackle, um, and don't get me going on the, the offside drill where you come over and come back. That's just horrendous. They, they've got to get that out of the game. I can't, <laughs> that is just stupid. It is absolutely stupid. He comes, he comes from an offside position where he heads the ball in an onside position, but he's offside. Who, who made it's, that up? Did you? Did it's, you when the, it's when the ball is struck. That's it, in the rules. It makes no difference. He heads the ball in an onside position. Where is he when the ball is struck? In an offside position? It doesn't matter. It's where he, it's where he mean, commits it. doesn't it. matter. It's a stupid rule. How many times uh, do the referee blow right. for that? All right. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, so, Alan, you guys are, that's, this is fucking gold. This is, uh, this is amazing, amazing uh, podcast material. Um, uh, Bryn Shank asks, uh, so who do you guys think should be the next U.S. men's national team manager? Um, and then a follow-up question, I guess, secondary question. If the Loons don't make the playoff, playoffs, should Heath be fired? I'll, g- I'll give it to both of you guys. Um, I have no idea who's in line for the um U.S. national team job. Who should be? Who would you want? Who would you want to be the U.S. national team? I, really, I don't think they should have got rid of Klinsman, but that's just me. Thank you. I, I, that's just me. Me, me too, Alan. Uh, because. <laughs> me too. I mean, who, who did they, who did they bring in? He was. Um, Bruce, Bruce Arena. Bruce, Bruce yeah. Arena. I mean, why? He didn't well. change anything, you know, and they they end up failing to qualify, but. Um, yeah, I'm not, I have no idea who the guy is in charge of the, the national team right now. I never heard of him before I took over. I really don't. Um, Ernie Stewart? No. Er, well, he's the new GM. He's the new GM. Ernie Stewart. Yeah, 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 right. I don't know who the coach is. Yeah, yeah. It's an interim right now. As it, was it Dave? Dave Saracen. Yeah, it's, it, um, I, I don't think it's him. I think he's just a filler. Yeah. Uh, but when. You know, my question is, do they go with an American coach or do they look outside the country? But they were good enough to make the World Cup this this Mm -hmm. last time. They should have made it easily. And, you know, they couldn't. And I like what they've been doing recently, where they've been bringing younger players in. Because previously they had older players in there that didn't have the legs anymore. And they weren't willing to sacrifice their bodies. Well, you bring these younger kids in who are willing to run 90 minutes nonstop. And sometimes that's good enough to win games, especially on the road when you're playing in Trinidad and Tobago. You can't beat those guys. You don't deserve to go at the World Cup. Right. And that's where that's where they struggled. They had it, you know, too many people were, you know, prima donnas. They want, you know, wanted the ball to the feet. They were instead of chasing people down and closing people down to win the ball back, they weren't doing that. Where the younger kids would have done that to do that. As far as uh, Heath and, you know, I. I talked to somebody recently. I thought this this five game road trip, six game road trip that they had. I said if they come back winless, I wouldn't surprise if he if he's gone. But then someone else said, well, they probably won't get rid of him until the end of the season, or maybe give him a shot next year. But I I, I see that I, I you know I read Twitter, I see the fans, and a lot of people are upset with them. Um, nothing seems to have changed since since day one. Um, whether it's the players he's bringing, I don't know who's bringing the players in for him, but. Um, 
It just doesn't seem right right there. <laughs> if if you were if you were the front office, what would you do? Basically, that's the question I think. Well, it's a big decision because you're opening with, with a new stadium next year. Do you want to start off with the same coach that hasn't, you know, done anything the last two years, uh, failed to make the playoffs, giving up the most goals ever by an MLS team? Do you want someone like that bringing this in to the new stadium, or do you want to start fresh? Um, I would say I would give him four or five games from now because I read somewhere, I think what Manny said, that on, on this road trip they wanted at least to get – 10 to 12 points out of this road trip. <laughs> I think we're at one right now. Yeah. I, am I right? Uh, one, one point. One yes. point. And they've got, what, two road games to go? Yep. And um, it's not looking good. Um, they're really poor on the road, and there's a reason why. And, and um, you know, they, they need to start working together to, to fix this. This is a huge problem. They're spending tons of money trying to get players in forward-wise when it's been a huge problem over the last couple of years defensively. Mm-hmm. And that's... Know, until they fix that, you know, and it's just not probably one or two players. I need to bring some other players in because it's, it seems to be the same people making mistakes after mistake after mistake. Same same question, Chris. The U.S. and the uh, with the, with the U.S. national team, uh, I, I think it needs to be a brand new, fresh face. They brought in Ernie Stewart, which is former player, but a fresh face to kind of look at the whole prospect or the whole situation. Same thing as a coach. It's got to be somebody new. Can't be an arena. Can't be Bradley. Can't be a Klinsman. Even though I don't, I, I have to agree to a point with Alan about they should have never got rid of Klinsman. Start new. Start fresh. And I think for 2019, Minnesota United may need to do the same. Start fresh and start new. And uh, the thing is, is that you're going to get great crowds next year. But the majority of that, if everything kind of stays the same, the majority of the reason why they're going to get great crowds is because people want to see the stadium. They don't necessarily want to watch the product. They want to see that new stadium and experience a new stadium. But what makes the stadium experience even better? Great product. And <clears throat> that, I think, ne- they, Minnesota United's office, front office <coughs> ownership, needs that fresh start come 2019. And if, if, it, you know, if, the, if they do go into next season uh, the same way that they finish this season off, yeah, it's going to be exciting because it's a new stadium but it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths if they continue to perform mm-hmm. the way that, they can, that they're, they're finishing off this season and the way they finished off last season, too. Uh, for sure. Um, that, so let's, let's get really dark and deep and all that. So let's, let's, let's you know, finish off with some softball questions. So uh, Bridget McDowell well, asked... That was a softball question. <laughs> <laughs> some softball fun questions. Um, so this is probably for you, Alan. Um, Bridget McDowell, again, back uh, one of our uh, contributors... What is your favorite memory of playing for the kicks? And who wins in the game of soccer tennis, you or Pele? Oh, Pele for sure. I was crap at soccer <laughs> tennis. Okay, what was your favorite memory of the kicks? The, well, you can't say you can't say that the, the nineteen seventy eight game. So Well, obviously that was the number one thing. Sure, of course. But um just the whole experience playing, you know, coming from England to a, a different country and all of a sudden you're playing soccer. When we first started playing, the crowds had no idea what was going on. Then they would start to cheer when goals were going in. Hey, but that's not true. We knew what was going on. No, no, you, I you was in that crowd. Yeah. I know what was going that's on. That's for me. You didn't know what was going on. I knew on. what was going no. on. But the majority of people didn't know what was going on. Okay, the majority. Yeah. And then, you know, you get halfway through the season, all of a sudden they started to cheer when they, when you started to attack, the, you know, the, the roar started to come up. And then, you know, we'd score a lot of goals when we played at, at Met Stadium. So they had a lot of times to, to cheer for. And it was just, it was just a 
awesome experience to play in front of the home crowd. Uh, even though the Twins didn't like us playing on it because they would complain after we played that every time there was an error in the outfield, they, they bitch at us because they said we dug the field up in the outfield. <laughs> but that was, it was just bad outfielders yeah. in, my, in my case. I was like, fuck Harmon Killebrew. <laughs> <laughs> We've got um, we've got Alan Willie on the record saying "fuck Harmon Killebrew." Um, Chris, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk. That should be the name of the podcast episode. <laughs> yes, by the way. Yeah, exactly. um, okay, I'm gonna throw into Chris here. Uh, this is from Andrew Bruski. I'll ask you the first one. I don't know if this is an inside joke or what it is. Then I'll ask you a second one, which you might be able to answer. Um, who's your favorite Harry Potter character? I think he might just be trolling us. I don't know. Second one is uh, which witch do you prefer? Do you have do you have a preferred sandwich from which witch? So feel free to answer the first one, but please answer the second one. Uh, Harry Potter, I, I don't even know. I, you know, we'll just who's, go. Who's Harry Potter? Yeah, there's so many he's great your, ones. Who could you? You're British, man. He's your son. Uh, so. <laughs> no, that'd be, uh, that'd be Harry Willie. Uh, that's, that's, that's Harry Crapper. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, Hermione will be my uh, favorite <laughs> Harry Potter character. Okay. Okay. And Hermione. Oh. Granger, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, and then uh, which which do I prefer? Uh, actually, the Hawaiian. I, I prefer the Hawaiian. Uh, it's what I when which which first came on as a sponsor. Part of the uh, part of the deal was uh, the crew was fed in which which sandwiches, and oh, nice. we got to place our orders. And I would always get the Hawaiian. I, I like that uh, ham and pineapple combination, and that's that. Did you you you? Got the witch witch as well, I right? I had no idea. I had no idea what I was getting. <laughs> I just showed up one day and so I ate it. Maybe chicken, That's maybe. Yeah. <laughs> can we get can we get a witch witch read? Uh sure, sure. This is gonna come up. Oh yeah. This United Corner Cake is brought to you by Witch Witch. Witch Witch Superior Sandwich is twelve Twin Cities locations. Which witch do you prefer? Damn, fucking crazy. <laughs> it will be. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> Uh, about a month ago, I brought that up to my wife because when the whole because Dave always, no, we were, yeah, we're always about tweets that. me, you know, whenever I see a witch witch, whenever he's at a witch witch, he's like, oh yeah, take a Hi, selfie. Chris home takes a selfie, whatever. I get so I get Twitter, you know, tweets at me from Dave about that he's at witch witch. So I, I um, but yeah, about a month ago, I told my wife, I said, this witch witch thing, I think is going to stick with us or stick with me for the rest of my life. I said, I may need to put it on my headstone. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, no, no. She goes, Your we'll do some. Fine. Yeah, she goes, no, we'll do something better. How about this? How about we put a motion detector on your headstone, and when somebody walks by, it yells, Ramirez! <laughs> Scare the crap out of them. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, yeah. So you're walking through the, grave, the <laughs> graveyard, you go past my headstone, and it yells, Ramirez, yeah. at you. That'd be good. Yeah. I agree. That was that was the best way. Yeah. Um, second to last question. Then then we'll get you guys out of here. Um, so is there a player? So this is for both you guys. Player, uh, past, present, or future that you just hate, and why? Alan. I feel like Alan has a as a as a thought about this. Um, at the top of my head, not in the in the playing days. I just I can't remember. There was a few I didn't hate. A few, a few I did hate. There was, there was a guy from New York Cosmos. I forget where his name was, but he intentionally elbowed me in the in the mouth one time. Pele. No, I wasn't Pele. No, it was it was a South American dude. I can't remember what his fucking name was. He's fucking Subway sandwiches now. We were 
we were playing at uh, Giant Stadium and I'm running down, chasing the ball in the corner and all of a sudden he just throws his elbow right in my teeth, feel my teeth crunching together. And, but, and the referee didn't, no yellow card back in those days, you know. Okay, just, yeah, no. just, yeah. But um, there was one guy that played indoor, his name was Barry Wallace. I think he's from England. He was played, I think it was on Tulsa. And we were playing a preseason game somewhere, I forget where it was. And he was marking me and I was intentionally backing into him to try and have him to force to get a free kick. And all of a sudden he's swinging, catches me in the side of the face. So I get up and chase him and he runs off into the locker room. <laughs> and everyone chasing after him, you know. But, you know, he locks the door so we can't get in. Oh this isn't a preseason game. And what, what do you know? Next season, he gets traded to Minnesota, indoor. Oh, God. Uh, I was this much away from breaking his leg every time we practiced. <laughs> but other than that, no, I don't, no, I, get, I get on with everybody. That's perfect. Chris, <laughs> Chris do you have a comment here? Uh, not really, I mean, not really. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I really... <laughs> I really don't uh, have any any problems with really anybody. I uh, there's no one that really kind of stands out. I, I think the one that it's people might think of is is Kevin Harms from San Antonio when he you know threw the elbow back or the and hit Pablo Campos in the you know right in the gonads and yeah. took him down and and that made him at public enemy number one at that time. That type of stuff I don't like and never have. So a player that does that type of crap, it doesn't sit well with me. But overall, Is no. there anybody uh, you hate not because they were dirty or because you don't want to take them home to meet mom, but it's just um, they, 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 you know, maybe they were so good. They were just always a thorn in the side of the team that you're just like, ah, damn it, we got to play this guy again. And they just have our number. I'm trying to yeah, think you out of yeah, yeah, yeah. people that you just morally hate. Right, right. No, yeah. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I uh, no, I I'll be honest. I I like Alan. I get along with pretty much everybody. Don't really have a problem. I don't. I don't ever. I've never really worried about a forward coming in, who would I knew or felt was going to light up a Minnesota team. You know, I I never. There was never anybody <laughs> really. Uh, and a big part of that. It's because I had such confidence in the back line of the Minnesota teams over those years that I, I never really, there was never anybody that really kind of stood out or really worried about it. So, sorry, I'm not much of an answer on that one, but, you know, hey. All right. That's fine. And then I guess, you know, the last question, then we'll let you guys, you know, get out of here or whatever. Um, on our bikes? On your bikes, bikes yes, yeah. please. Uh, yeah, get, yeah, get all right, horses or bikes or whatever. Um, so, uh, at Peter Sparks uh, asks, uh, what is the all-time Minnesota best 11 who would be the best manager? And I know you guys, there's actually literally a piece of paper with uh, some stuff written on it. So I'll let you guys work this out together. So here you go. Well, you can uh, go ahead and start because you got the list. I'll just, yeah. I'll just change your list. When yeah, you're I know you will. I know absolutely you will. I, this, is a, this, this, is a, this is a tough one for me because I've seen so many players and I know so many players well uh, off the field and such. Uh, but just off the top of my head, moments that kind of stood out for me that kind of put these people from goalkeeping standpoint uh i gotta go with the john swallen joe warren i couldn't decide between those two they both uh were standout keepers during their time with minnesota um kind of went with a 4-4-2 you know when i came to my best 11 my my back line consists of players like don Gramens, alan merrick is in there uh kyle altman uh i love the Don way he doctor, uh, excuse me the doctor 
Uh, he was uh, he the way he just controlled that back line and his you know going in hard on tackles all the time, and then Justin Davis, uh, the way he just gets up and back, I uh, just love that work rate. Don Grimens was that same way when he played up and back, and that was a that was a, a Buzz Lagos coaching way was he always wanted his outside backs up and back, get into the attack and hustle back. So you'd be in great shape if you played an outside back position for Buzz. The midfield. I'm kind of mixing it up with Sergei Gotsmanov. So, you know, his sons also played for Minnesota throughout the years, uh, Sasha and Andre. Uh, but Sergei was just a solid Russian player. And you got Ace Nesselengue. He can't be left off any best 11 for a Minnesota team whatsoever. And you got likes of like Pierre Maurice, talented Frenchman who w- could just put the ball on a dime with that left foot. He as well. And then Tony Sane as well. And then up front, I have Christian Ramirez and this guy over here, Alan Willie. Um, you know, and then I've got a variety of players as well on my bench. Uh, you know, got Tina Letary and Steve Litt and Amos McGee and Johnny Menyonger. I mean, there's a whole bunch. Ron Futcher, for example, and Aaron Pitch Colon even. I mean, he was just so good. And then the manager, I couldn't really decide. Uh, I got Freddie Goodwin, got, and then we got Buzz Lagos and Carl Craig. And I think that would be a, a great coaching group together just they're all smart did yeah. you did you miss anybody out, out the last 10 years no i hey there's, last there's 10 only, i went back to only, i went all the way there's back there's only 11 11 places and you named about 500 people here <laughs> i gotta cover all my bases well the only thing i might change would i definitely put steve lit back in there with alan Merrick. i mean mm-hmm. they were dynamic duo back then there were nothing much got past them back right. then steve was more looked more like a linebacker than a, than a soccer player right. so right. that was tough and then you know alan Merrick, he would you know, if you got past him, you were dead. That was about it. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if you remember Alan West. He was a right. unbelievable. Mid- he he could be, be in that midfield, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, there's not a lot I would change. Um, there's some there's some good good players on there. Obviously, I would pick myself first. But of course, you would. Yeah, just, yeah. just, yeah. just <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I would have loved to play up front with, along with Christian back in those days. That would have that would have been fun. Do you, yeah, do, you, do you play the target forward position then for him? Um, no, I let him play. And I'll, I'll just have him flick the ball. You're, you're not utilizing See, him the way he's Yeah, no. you just talked about how he's not no. a target forward, no. and then you put him at target forward. Yeah, but he's better than me at his target forward. I would have the defense, the midfield Which players, isn't? play to his strength to flick it on, get in front of the guy. See, and that's another thing that I, I talked about when I did the commentary with Minnesota United. Oh, did you? A couple of years ago, every ball from the back was hit high, and Christian's play. Who's the guy that played for Tampa Bay? The big, he's like six foot twelve. Uh, st- uh, Stefan Antonievich. Yes. Now the balls played up from the back. The goal kicks from everything played up high enough for him. It was hitting him in the chest. And Christian's down here. Mm-hmm. You need to play the ball in, just dink it in for Christian to come and play it, or flick it on. He, then he's he's not a factor anymore. The guy, the big guy's out of the game. And then the balls played in, and then you get the people running, making runs off of Christian or whoever's playing it forward. So that's what I have our defenders do. Alan Murray got steal it. I, you know, you have Justin Davis here. Play the ball in a certain height for Christian to come short. Flick it on or lay it off. If he flicks it on, I'm on the end of it. And that, that's how we, that's how that's how you need to play with it. Anything to add to your goal totals? It's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, some you don't have enough so goals as it is. You want more? <laughs> well, he, he shortchanged me earlier. I so will. I know. <laughs> but but then you corrected him. Well, then you correct. Oh no, no, you sh- well, I only got 151 or whatever well, it was. I mean, for God's you know, sake. If you're gonna do the show right, you might as well get the get the, the stats right. Yeah, so. I suppose. No, I suppose. Uh, no, no, all right. No one has ever accused us of doing this. No, 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 no. 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 
Um, all right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. It was very much uh, a pleasure to have you guys with us. And, and this banter was amazing. Um, you can find Chris Lidholm at Chris Lidholm. He's always on Twitter. He's always doing some stuff on Twitter. Um, if, he's, if you see this guy in the section, buy him a soda. Please. Please buy him a soda. Alan Willie, you're at Alan Willie 9 on Twitter, correct? correct? Yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, if you see Alan Willie, uh, buy him a Mick Golden Light. Yep. Is that, that's your favorite beer, right? It is now. Tonight it is. Someone told me your favorite beer was Mick Golden Light. I, so. I drink I drank a lot of it lately. Well, not a lot of it, but that's another podcast. Okay. Any any beer that's free, that's his favorite at the time. Oh, yeah, well, shit, man, I would I would have bought some at her surly. Fuck. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of the IPA drinkers. I prefer something like this or Stella Artois. You know. Okay. Something like that. All right, Stella Artois, if you want us, uh, you know, sponsor the podcast, let us know. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming and uh, hanging out with us for 45 minutes. We really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. You can find our guests uh, at Chris Lidholm and at Alan Willie 9 You can find David Martin at Regular David, me at Texas Zeller, us at TDIKMN. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Daves. You know, we are the Daves I know. Land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we do our thing, son. Son, 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 son.